0: In 2017, one man's vision and passion for all things metal started out as a record store in his house. Years later, the fight against a mainstream empire continues as Shade Beast. An independent metal collective and online store based in Athens, Georgia, is the world's premier heavy metal brand for music heads that value authenticity over the mainstream acceptance. Featuring original t-shirts from some of the best underground artists, as well as stickers, posters from the Shade Beast Presents concert series. Unique, one-of-a-kind collectibles and small curated selection of vinyl and cassettes from the masters old and new. Visit ShadeBeast.com and enter promo code SITHLORD for free domestic shipping on your first order, whether you're a new customer or returning. And be sure to join the Shade Beast social groups on Facebook and the interwebs to keep up with the new release announcements and talk all things metal and Star Wars. You'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and tuning into the metal forge i am mark jackson and i'm your host the premise of the show is pretty simple awesome interviews and awesome music if you want to contact me hit me up at metalforgeradio at gmail.com or visit the website metalforgeradio.com and now let's get this show on the road what is going on metalheads thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of the metal forge how the heck are you guys doing this week? Heck, there you go, Bobby it's from Maxwell's House of Music. I said heck, and not the other one. Ha ha! How, uh, seriously though, how is everybody doing this week? Wow, oh my god. What a, a crazy week it has been. So, uh, midnight uh, always rips. Uh, they played the Magbar on Tuesday. Holy shit yes more to come on that later maybe in a in a uh exclusive i don't know um but yeah uh last weekend uh the birthday weekend celebration mag bar on friday with uh half temptations wings and rifle wow what a great night it was i mean Obviously, it's always fun, and you know, getting to meet Jason and uh, the guys in Temptations Wings, and you know, Jason from the Heavy Metal Wasteland in person, finally. And it's just, it's so fucking cool, man. Like, I, I I felt the exact same way when I met the the dudes in Haunt and Seven Sisters and Entranced, you know, last year, and then getting to see two shows of theirs, you know, back to back days. And it, it, it was totally rad to, uh, to meet people that you've talked to for, you know, couples of years on the, through like the pandemic and, and all of that stuff, you know, it's just a, a very interesting thing. You know, I'm sure like meeting somebody like Maxwell Jeffries from uh, Under King one day would be the same thing or, you know, just whoever else, you know, Cam and the guys in Spell would be fucking rad as shit and you know time rift and you know fucking yeah just super cool stuff man like ho- holy shit yeah so anyways uh yeah that was all some crazy some crazy weekend stuff uh so friday at mag bar was a blast got to here some awesome stuff Um, from all three bands and I actually recorded like on my digital recorder a bootleg of the show so we might hear some stuff from that in the future you know, we might get a a Metal Forge live bootleg you know that might be kind of cool actually hey, I think I just stumbled on an idea here anyway, yeah, so that and then the second night of the The 40th birthday weekend celebration of festival uh, was uh, at losers 812 in Jeffersonville, Indiana featuring Temptations Wings, American Bombshell, Overload, and Wild Ride. And what a crazy wild ride it was the entire day and night. Uh, So I had taken Jason and uh, the guys in Temptations Wings, Chad, Micah and Ryan to White Castle because, you know, if you're in the South, you know you don't have White Castle down there. You've got Crystal. It's similar, but it's not the same. And out West, you know, you guys don't have White Castle at all, so I implore you, if you ever come East, try it. You will like it. Hopefully. But I know people who don't, actually. You know, the 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 uh, the Englishmen that I know that don't like it, you know, they're, they're funny about it. Um, uh, they, they they hate the White Castle. It's funny. And look for a Mudhorn episode on that soon. But anyway, um, yeah, so we had a blast that night too. And, you know, it was just all good party time. It was kind of cool out, which was nice. There was a chance of rain. But, like, you know, everybody was spot the fuck on. And everybody had a great crowd and great reaction. So that shit's so fucking awesome to me. You know, so onward and upward to a great blowout this year. Let's fucking look forward to the years to come on, on that shit. Hell fucking yeah, man. Fucking right. Anyway, today's episode is about Vault Wraith. And if you do not know, Vault Wraith, yeah, fucking awesome people. You know, they're uh, split their time and like the the uh, at, at certain points you know in the in the Missouri area you know uh, Midwest madness here you know occult horror uh, uh, heavy black metal type stuff they've been around since 2012 you know they've uh, they've been primarily a recording project so yeah I think you're really going to dig the band because dude I think it's great uh, they've got great artwork they've got great music. You know, it's just the concept of everything is just totally fucking rad and awesome. Fuck yeah, so let's go ahead and get into some Vault Wraith here. This is from the album Decomposing Spells. This is The
2: Mortuary Succubus.
0: Maniacs, what the fuck is going on this week? Because, holy shit, what is today? It's Revenge of the Fifth. That's right, fucking Cinco de Mayo today. And this week, we have the Warlock from the band Vault Wraith. Dude, what's
3: up? <laughs> this is pretty much it. I'm chilling out with my cat.
0: <laughs> yes, Yes. So, you know, are are you a are you a May the Fourth celebrator? Are you a Star Wars fan?
3: You know, I mean I, I grew up like in, I mean, I was born in nineteen eighty, so my memories of Star Wars are really roughly around when Return of the Jedi came out and I, it's not for any reason. I just, I never have went back and watched the movies, but I, I, I've been told multiple times I need to watch the original trilogy. So I'll have to get on that. Interesting.
0: (laughs) You know, I know a lot of people who are that way, who, um, who don't really watch anything like before they were born kind of stuff. And it's like, how there's so much good cinema. That's not like fucking fast and the furious 15.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, i watch a lot of old movies. I just never have got around to the star Wars ones. It's a, I think a lot of it's just, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's a cultural phenomenon. So it's, I've heard so much about them and, you know, for me, I, I don't know, I'm one of those people, if it, like, gets overhyped to me, I, like, tend to, you know, avoid yeah. it. But most of the time I'm really, uh, you know, pleasantly surprised when I do finally cave and watch it. So I'm I pretty sure that. I would enjoy them because I do like a lot of movies from that era, you know, Jaws and all that stuff. Hell, yeah. <laughs> See,
0: I totally I totally relate with that about yeah. the, the not jumping on the hype train because I did that recently with Breaking Bad. I yeah. I never watched it when it was on. Uh, same thing with Better Call Saul. I love the name of the show, but like I yeah. never watched them until this past December. I watched Breaking Bad for the first time and I was just blown the fuck away. And I was like, "Whoa, this is really fucking good." But it's like it's almost like the wall to me. Like when you watch the the Wall movie from Pink Floyd, it like for me it sends me in like a fucking weird depression. I'm like, oh man, this you know life really fucking sucks, and, and like I start questioning everything. But like this was just like oh shit, and now like watching Better Call Saul and finishing it up because they just put the uh, the most recent season on Netflix. I've just yeah. been like binging the fuck out of it, and obviously there's so much content out there these days.
3: Right. Yeah, it's hard to take it all in. But I did the same thing with Breaking Bad. My wife and I just watched it for the first time this last year. Same, you know, just never, like, caught on whenever it was popular. But, you know, finally sat down and watched a couple episodes and got hooked in and just binged the whole series. But, yeah, you know, we really liked it a lot, too. <laughs> Dude, have you
0: seen the alternate ending to Breaking Bad? I have not. It's hilarious. Um, yeah. Uh, fucking... Uh, Brian Cranston wakes up and he's in the bed in Malcolm in the Middle and he's like crying and I can't I, I never watched Malcolm in the Middle really either yeah. but he's like crying he's like I had a dream that I was a meth dealer and I was a good I was really good I killed people and he's like yeah well who are you married to he's like this big tall blonde statuesque woman he's like yep yeah, it was a dream <laughs> and they pan over, and, and Heisen, he's like, I wore a black hat. And they pan over, and Heisenberg's hat's in the chair.
3: Oh, that's
0: hilarious. Yeah, it, it's, just, it's so funny.
3: Yeah, I actually did watch some Malcolm in the Middle back when it was on TV, and it's a, the show's a lot of fun. It's really quirky and funny. Uh, right. one of my My favorite moment from Malcolm in the Middle comes down to where uh, two of the kids are just hanging out in the house and one's reading comics and he's laughing, and his brother says, "What's so funny?" He says, "Oh, it's this Peanuts comic." And he goes, "What's Peanuts?" And he's like, oh, you never read Peanuts?" He says, "No." and the next scene, they show him they're out in the yard. And he's holding the football <laughs> for him to come kick it. <laughs> so, <Yes. laughs> it, it was perfect. Yeah. Oh, fucking Lucy in the football! Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's so, funny. He's
0: like. <laughs> yeah. He's like you've yes. never read peanuts comics. Yes,
3: exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it was pretty fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Like I've never like I've watched episodes here and there of Malcolm in the Middle, but like no it it was kind of like, you know, cuz I was born in 83, so last week yeah. I just turned 40 and like So I still look at it to be a little bit, um, after my time, I guess, because I was already in like high school and stuff when that, or or almost out of school when that show started. So it was kind of like, meh, I was already into other things like playing in bars and fucking, you know, doing that shit.
2: Right. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Uh, So what um... are
0: some of your, your fandoms that you, that you dig?
3: i mean obviously i'm a huge friday the 13th fan the whole franchise like i mean it's don't get me wrong i like some of the entries better than others i won't really go into jason goes to hell don't really like that movie <laughs> much at all but uh you know it's a if anybody wears a hockey mask and they film it i'm gonna watch it at least once or twice so huge fan of that franchise um I don't know. That's like one I really get into as far as the fandom goes, you know, and kind of collecting, you know, little things here and there, stuff like that. And a lot of it's, you know, just my own interest and then just stuff that people have gotten me. My wife actually got me a, a hockey mask that's signed by C.J. Graham and Alice Cooper, so I'm a nice. pretty big fan of that.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah. That's totally yeah. fucking rad. I actually have a uh, an Alice Cooper eye tattoo on my forearm, so...
2: Oh nice. Yeah. yeah. And
0: it's and it's the uh the the like the real thin eyes, not the thick ones that he did for the longest time.
3: Yeah, yeah, the thin ones. That's really cool. Um I've actually got to see him five times now. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's uh I actually saw him twice on this last tour, and that's because about like towards the end of the tour, Nita Strauss, the guitar player that's been with him forever. She kind of took off for a minute and they actually brought Kane Roberts back, who was the guy who played on Constrictor and Raise Your Fist and Yells. I'm like, oh, I've got to see him with Kane. So we went and saw basically the exact same set, but with Kane playing lead guitar with him again. So it was pretty cool.
0: (laughs) Right. You know, that's always a cool thing to see people that you're into when when you get to see them live. Like, you know, I thought it was super yeah. fucking cool when I got to see Maiden on the last tour that I saw them on where they were doing the uh, Legacy of the Beast.
3: Oh, that's right. And
0: they were doing yeah. Blaze Bailey songs in the set. Oh, that's really cool. And, you know, I think just like Ripper and Judas Priest, I think Blaze Bailey gets a bad rap because, you know, they both had to follow fucking Crazy, insane fucking people like Bruce Dickinson and Rob Halford.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it was just kind of a, you know, during that time period, both of those bands, I think it was kind of a lull in their career, you know, it's coming off of all these classic albums it's i mean, how do you follow that up i, I wouldn't know how the hell to follow seven son of a seven son oh my i think God, i just I hang it up and call it a day
2: <laughs> Yeah,
3: right. Know, it's just like I, I don't know man that that that's uh it's quite a feat to get to that level and then where do you go from there you know so you know
0: and that's but, like the the I think a lot of bands that are in that position get a lot of bad rap. Um, Also, you know, because they've reached such a stratospheric high that, like, it's almost like you can't please all of the people all of the time, kind of thing. Right. Which, which which sucks. Don't get me wrong, but like, you know, I think it's a it's a humbling experience, and I think it adds to different facets of people's careers. You know, you've seen you've seen the people. People like the Beatles do it. You've seen uh, bands like Black Sabbath and Aerosmith and Kiss and Metallica uh, and all of these bands do it. Pretty much, I mean, even sometimes like Led Zeppelin kind of has done that in, in in days gone past too. You know, but right, it's just a it's just a big thing. Um, but you know, I dig the Friday the Thirteenth stuff. You know, and, and I might be like, I love a lot of horror stuff. But mm-hmm. like, I don't like unless I'm like really into it, like the Phantasm series. I just don't rewatch a lot of horror.
3: Yeah, oh, I mean, it just for me, I go back and you know, I I watch the ones that I've loved since I was a kid. You know, I can put them on any day of the week. But yeah, with newer horror films and everything, you know, I I don't know, man, I, I get a little frustrated. You know. <laughs> the horror snobs are just as bad as the music snobs but it's just like you know it's i'll see a new movie and it's capable i totally dig it you know i enjoy it the one time around but i don't necessarily go back and rewatch it but that's not to say that i think it's a heaping pile of shit or something it's just it's not the ones i grew up with and you know those are the ones that 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 hit me at that impressionable age so i just keep coming back to them
0: Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You know, for me, like I said, uh, I love the phantasm series and, yeah. um, you know, but my favorite, I don't even know which one it is. Cause I've only seen it like twice. Uh, my favorite Friday is the one with Corey Feldman, where he, where he like cuts his, all of his hair off and he's
2: like, who am I? Jason, who am I? <laughs>
3: yeah. You know, was, uh, part four. Yeah. That's what the I was final saying. chapter. Was part four, yeah, yeah. The final
0: chapter. Yeah. And, uh, And so that's like the big thing for me, you know, that's my big Friday movie that I like.
3: (laughs) Yeah, like, I think my favorite Friday movies are probably two, four and six. And uh, I mean, I still love the original. Don't get me wrong. But like two's great. because that's where you first get, you know, Jason. But she also had Amy Steele, who I think is the best final girl in just about any slasher series that I've ever seen. She's rad. And that's also got the one where, uh, you know, you uh, he comes to. He's got the altar with his mom's severed head on it. And so there's that whole eerie moment at the end of the movie where she puts on the sweater and starts talking to him as if she were his mother, and he's actually confused about it. And it's just really cool, kind of an eerie moment in that yeah. series.
0: Oh, for sure. You know, <laughs> and and I love people who love like takes Manhattan.
3: Yeah, it's Uh, fun stuff, too. Yeah,
0: right. (laughs) It totally is. But you know what? We've actually kind of this is exactly what I was telling you about uh, pre-interview about the new segment, because we're 12 minutes in, and it has already happened. (laughs) Because we're actually here today to talk about fucking Vault Wraith,
3: dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he does that also. He is in the fucking band, Vault Wraith. And you. <laughs> yeah, that's you would one know of the things I'm you,
3: into. <laughs> what's that? That's one of those things I'm into. <laughs> yeah, he's
0: into this music thing, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, fucking, as everybody knows, I check the metal archives. It's kind of like Wikipedia, because they do get a lot of stuff uh, incorrect as well. You know, like, for some reason, fucking uh, rifle uh, their producer produced one of Black Sabbath albums, and I don't think that's really true. But, uh, yeah, so they do get a lot of shit right and wrong. So back in uh, 2022, you all released a, the latest full length back in November, actually, called Decomposing Spells. Mm-hmm. Dude, like, ten tracks, and, like, it starts the fuck out, and it just doesn't let go, man. Like, Fuck. i listened to it over on the bandcamp page and and i was like dude i've been like you know checking in on you guys periodically since doing the podcast and i thought and i've been trying thought about reaching out but i finally did and i was just like all right man we need to fucking do this and it's like fuck
3: (laughs) (laughs) well i appreciate it thanks for reaching out but yeah um i'm really happy with the newest album and everything and i'm like it's you know i I, i'm pretty prolific in that like as soon as i wrap up one thing i'm working on something else so i've already actually wrote all the music for the fourth album and everything and uh billy's currently working on the lyrics and vocals for it but uh i'm really happy with decomposing spells and really happy to see it finally coming out on all the formats we actually uh You know the cd just came out from hell's head bangers and so people can pick that up on their site and then yes obviously it's still on Bandcamp and everything you can stream it on spotify or whatever streaming service you like and then um we actually have two labels putting it out on vinyl and it's out on cassette already um and vicious witch has the cassettes if you're looking for those and they are getting ready to come out on adirondack black mass on vinyl and uh We're really excited about it. The vinyl's going to look killer.
0: Fuck, man. See, like, how does it... So, so I've only ever released digital and CDs for my band, okay? Right. I've talked about doing a limited-run cassette, and I've done one, uh, like, a lathe-cut vinyl for myself, and and one other person bought one. So, like, I've never mass-produced any vinyl with my band or anything like that. How does it feel to be in 2023 putting your music out across digital cd cassette and vinyl i mean
3: it's definitely surreal i never you know i mean it was um whenever i first started playing music when i was about 15 or so and i was born in '80. So I started playing, you know, my first bands in about the mid-90s. Now, a lot of the bands that I used to, you know, play shows with, they would put out seven inches, but seven inches were actually cheaper to put out than a CD at the time because right. it wasn't the preferred format. And so people would, you know, they'd get press up about 500. they do a split with some other band, so you split the money two ways, and then you usually photocopy the covers and stuff like that and assemble it all at home. So that was more of a thing. But even then, I didn't have anything on 7-inch or anything like that. My bands put out cassettes at the time, but what we would do is record them ourselves. And then hey, you know, rip them.
0: That's the way I started.
3: Yeah, everybody would get their blank cassettes and record them, you know, copy them at home with the dual cassette decks and stuff like that. So to, yes, be this far advanced and have it come out on vinyl, cassette, and CD, it's surreal it's really cool. The best part is is I didn't have to like you know doing this stuff at home other than record it <laughs> and uh, but it's pretty cool to see it come out on all the formats it's a uh, the resurgence of cassettes I did not see coming because you know having grown up with that format, we were really excited to you know see the the when CD burners became a thing that was really a game changer for us because there was no loss in quality. And that's something that you absolutely suffer with, you know, with cassettes and everything, because, you know, there's the inevitable hiss, and depending on how good your tape deck is, there's the possibility of actually having one of your uh, favorite albums get destroyed by a right. cassette oh, player. For sure. <laughs> so, and yeah. But
0: you also had the thing, too, to where, like, you recorded on, like, a Tascam 4-track or a, or a Fostex 4-track recorder and yep. just did that and bounced it you know we found ways to do that shit back in the day and i and that's what i like about the nostalgia from that era is like now it's just as simple as hitting your hitting the f5 in the space bar and a and like a control z because you didn't get it right or something you know it's just a real you know it's really easy to create like punch and stuff like that when you do it yeah. Which back um, in the day, no, it wasn't. So,
3: Yeah, it was, there was a lot of mistakes on demos and things like that that just came through, and so there's a lot of honesty to it. But, yeah, I, I can't go back. I, I right. do not desire to start <laughs> recording on a four-track again. <laughs> I, I like my digital products, for sure.
0: You know, that uh, was one of the interesting things, in, an interesting story that James Hetfield used his same Fostex recorder, and all the way up through to like Death Magnetic when it finally died. Wow, yeah, that he was, you know, he would he would record it on tape and shit like that. So like, I love archival shit. That's just one of my nerdisms that I I'm into. So like, you know, like I would love to just sit down and go through like. You know, a major band's archive of shit that they've just never released. Like fucking uh, Prince, for example, rings a bell here because apparently he had so much fucking shit recorded that, like, it was just insane.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, to be a multi-instrumentalist like that and be active as long as he was and what. I mean, how many studio albums did he do in all that time? Was, you know, I guarantee you, yeah, he probably had just hours upon hours of stuff that could go shelved, just like Frank Zappa, you know? Just oh, yeah. Just very prolific and just, yeah, recording all the time.
0: And I'm sure people I mean, like Steve Vai and Joe Satriani are that way, too, because they're just players and they don't have to worry about you know any like vocalist stuff and and you know what I'm saying there right like
3: right absolutely
0: i mean riffs for days man <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of like, you know, even myself, like when I started playing music and everything, you know, I started recording well before I was ever, you know, in a band. And when I've been in between bands and stuff, I've been recording. So I've got just tons and tons of stuff that I just, you know, have kept to myself or just circulated with some friends of mine and stuff over the years. And,. I imagine anybody else is, too. But if you, you know, take having to have a day job out of the equation and that's all you do. Right. Yeah, the prince has got a couple of bank vaults full of that stuff.
0: <laughs> and and think of this, too, because I'm sure, you know, like Zappa, Zappa was, the digital era for, for Zappa wasn't there. So all of his shit's on two-inch tape. Yeah. So, because I've actually watched a... Um, uh an archival video with Dweezil in in the Zappa vault.
3: Oh, that's really cool.
0: Yeah, and they just are going through like and everything is like meticulously labeled or it's not. Right. So it's like it has like this crazy attention to detail like who played on it, you know, it's all pen and ink, you know, on the on the the tape box type shit. Or it'll just say August 12, yeah, seventy <laughs> two, and that's it. See. And you, they have to go through and like retroact, like okay, well, who was in Frank's band at the time? Right. <laughs> and it did uh, it, was there? Let's put a call out to everybody there. Were there any session players? And it's like, fuck, man. Like I remember having to do that myself with tape and shit, like trying to remember that this is the drum master tape. That got yeah. bounced down to to the uh, the one channel, you know. So like <laughs> having the the meticulous uh, attention to detail, I guess.
3: Yeah, there's a guy I used to play with in town and you know back in the day we were recording all our stuff on cassettes and like the worst thing you could label your cassette and we all did it was just writing something like new stuff on it because <laughs> eventually you're into like volume 12 of new stuff and trying to find that one riff i did you had you have no idea which tape it's on so, yeah they-
0: and you know that's where taking notes is Yeah, we all had new stuff, Volume 12 and shit like that.
3: Exactly. Uh,
0: a friend of mine's band actually named an album Books on Tape Volume 2. That's great. Just for that reason of just like, well, where's Volume 1? I don't know. Right. We, we can't find Volume <laughs> 1 anywhere. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's just great stuff and it's like back from the old scene days, you know, when you're when you're really starting out in your scene and you're earning your stripes type shit. Yeah. But yeah, you know, having uh multiple uh copies of of an album because it tends to lead to a collector standpoint because I'm sure you all have fans as we all do that collect everything you do, whether it's, you know, you've got four copies of the same album and I'm sure, and I'm sure most of us are all have that fandom too. Like you probably have a copy of the, the Friday series on VHS. You probably have one on DVD.
3: Yeah, uh, my wife got me the Blu-ray set for Christmas, and <laughs> I- I've been pretty happy with that now. <laughs> but, but yeah, I have owned them on you know VHS or DVD, you name it. So yeah, I just I've definitely followed up with the different formats and just trying to stick with the full collection on whatever's current. But yeah, I get that there are a lot of people that you know have to have. You know, the one I've really seen that a lot of people get into is like if they're uh, collecting CDs, they're really about having the long box copies from the early '90s and stuff like that. That's just like, yeah, that's a level of fandom I have not invested in. And
0: (laughs) and, you know, I've got a couple of long boxes still. Uh, (laughs) One of them was a Motorhead long box, and and I had to get rid of it. Unfortunately, I you know I was at a time in my life where I was you know, pawning shit and living paycheck mm-hmm. to paycheck and not, and actually still having about four days before the next paycheck and, yep. you know, just like trying to survive type shit and fucking like having a couple of long boxes that, you know, you knew were sought after, you know, that people wanted was, was a good thing to have. But now I think I only have one in my collection and it's a Saigon kickbox. Oh wow! And it was only—it wasn't the the first edition long box. You know, the, the the first editions were the ones that actually just folded open. Yeah. Um. But like the uh. But then like the other editions, there was like the little jewel case in the bottom of the box, and it was just the box was there to to fit in with the others.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, me it's—I've always been like, as long as you know, whatever the content on there is like the same as what was on the other edition, then I'm usually satisfied with owning whatever's you know the newest. But, like, you know, you get into some weird situations, too, with, like, remasters where people go back and they, like, you know, kind of screw with the original dynamics of the album or something else. Or in the worst case was, you know, around what, I guess it was around 2099, whenever uh, Ozzy. Ozzy, yes, whenever they went in there and, like, freaking re-recorded the drums and, and the bass. bass yeah, for those. Daisley
0: and Kerslake, yeah. So yeah, they could get away like, from the royalty dispute.
3: Yeah, and that was so screwed up. But I think they've since went back and corrected that. But, you know, for me, it's like, man, I'm glad I still have my Jet Records copy of Diary of a Madman. Oh, because, yes.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: for me, that's a that's a big collecting point for me is I want to have first edition prints of almost everything. and it, right. Especially if it's CD. If I can get a first edition print of a CD, I know what it is that I'm listening to. For example... Uh, If you go back and listen to the remasters of, you know, like Rust in Peace and Mm -hmm. Peace Sells But Who's Buying, and even even the first remasters of of like Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning when they re released them in 94 with the fan club info, like you can tell the differences.
3: Right. Yeah, I noticed like um Peace Cells is a huge album for me and I, I did like here, you could just there's definitely a dynamic shift. I think they took some of the reverb off of it and it's like, mm-hmm. no, nah, I like the reverb, but that's the sound of that era. But at the same time too, a lot of the really cool things that Gar Samuelson did kinda gets lost in the wash if you put too much reverb on there. So there's definitely merits to remastering some stuff, but yeah, don't go back and re record it with new musicians. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's just and, and, and the shit thing
0: about it is, too, is like they basically cut out their performance royalty out of it, is what it was. Because they, because like Rob went back and played Daisley's bass lines. Yeah. Because he was already playing them in the band, anyways.
2: And, right.
0: And so it's like, so. Daisley still got the writer credit. They couldn't dispute that, but they they disputed the performance credit on the for the sales.
3: That's yeah, and I mean, w- which is why, yeah, like exactly. w- w- was Ozzy and Sharon starving? Just give the guys damn money, <laughs> right?
0: Like... I mean, you're talking like okay, Ozzy probably got twenty or forty million dollars out of it, and Bob right. Daisley probably got two. Yeah. You know, so yeah. fuck, man. Come on.
3: <laughs> yeah. That was really screwed up. Yeah. It's just, of all the heinous things I've heard of happening, that's, yeah, that takes the cake. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: for sure. So you'd <laughs> mentioned something a minute ago, and I want to touch on this really fast is mm-hmm. you said you've already got stuff written for four. Yeah. And, yeah, like, so, so tell me about that. I mean, is this going to be something that is maybe within the next year because but looking at your release schedule you've pretty much had full links every two years or so
3: yeah well i mean the thing about it is is we're usually done recording a full year or more before the stuff gets released like right. i mean because this last album yeah like we were done recording you know decomposing spells i want to say you know probably by may of last year but that's just how long it takes like after you get done you know recording well then obviously you got to get it out there to the labels and stuff like that and um this time i know like you know hell's headbangers they pretty much agreed to go ahead and do the cd but you they've got a few bands on their roster so releases take a while But then with the cassettes and the records you know billy i know he emailed a lot of different labels just trying to find ones that were interested in it and finally got this all lined up but then you know vinyl production takes forever so you know there's like i said i'm i've recorded all the music for the fourth album at this point it's just a matter of billy you know writing the lyrics and laying down the vocals and then me going back and mixing it and mastering it all but so I mean yeah I would say there's probably a good chance we'll be done recording it you know within the year but as far as when it'll be out on a physical format and we'll have the artwork and everything else that one's up in the air.
0: Definitely. So yeah, yeah. it feasibly could be the beginning of 2025 at this point.
3: Yeah, but I would say before that hopefully. Right. <laughs> hopefully
0: hopefully like in November of 24. <laughs>
3: yeah that'd be that's i think that's that's, feasible
0: yeah because you know we all get in the routines too where you know i my my deal was we always used to take off december and january and would write and record those two months and then by an end of february release date and then it kind of kept getting pushed back to and it was an april release date and then it was an august release day (laughs) so Yeah. yeah so we all get in our routines to where we do our thing and then we try to make it work as as we do it uh so how
3: does touring work for you guys i mean there is no touring we never play live yet okay. so because i'm you know as it is right now we started out as a three-piece but now it's literally just me and billy and so i record all the music play all the instruments and billy does all the vocals so if we were going to play out live or tour or do anything like that you know i'd have to get a group of people together to play the music for sure and then there's the rehearsal and Shows and everything else. So as of right now, we've only ever recorded.
0: Okay, now is this is this a thing? You know, because you okay, you know, you're in your forties at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is this a thing that you would prefer? Would you prefer to have a just a studio project, or is the need there to still want to play live, or do you play live with other bands?
3: I mean, yeah, I still play out with other bands, not as frequently as I used to. Or anything like that you know but it's a uh, i i enjoy playing out on occasion but it's it's never been the big thing for me you know it's uh, i'm a for lack of better term i'm straight edge so like uh i you know the bar scene really wore me out i got tired of that real quick and uh you know and so playing out i really always like playing non-traditional venues because there's more people there that are just there for music you're not the soundtrack to someone's drunken binge you know right and uh and generally you have clearer conversations with people and things like that so there's that but yeah i mean it's also really cool to go out and play a cool show you know with a lot of people there in attendance and you know, it's nice to have someone come and say that they thought you did a really cool set. You know, it's as insignificant as it may be in the long run. It's pretty cool at the time. <laughs> well, that's yeah.
0: that's a, that's respectable, you know? Like, I totally get what you mean with, like, the bar scene thing because I totally had my fill of it as well because when, for me, it hit that point when, I, you know, doing the shows around my city type thing and hanging out with the non-musician friends that I had. And, you know, that's always an interesting dynamic as well. But hanging out with the non-musical uh, friends and they're like, hey, man, what are you doing this weekend? Are you playing? No. Uh, hey, do you want to come out? Yeah, sure. What What do you want to do? You want to go out to eat or something? No, nah, man, let's go to the bar. And it's like, oh.
3: Right. It's like, yeah,
0: oh. and- I mean, I, I play out, you know, a lot. And so I equate bars with work, even to this day. So, yeah, I don't usually go to the bar and drink.
3: Yeah. Well, for me, too, you know, I still like to go out and see a show on occasion, but I'm usually more excited about, you know, the people who are doing this in their early 20s and just discovering it for the first time and putting their own scenes together and just the excitement around that, because it's, you know, it's all new to them. And it's really cool to see that. Yeah. You know, it's there's a it's I don't know. You lose some of that enthusiasm, I think, after you know twenty plus years of playing out and kind of doing the same thing, and it's a you know, but I really like to watch a younger scene they're usually more vibrant and regardless of the quality of the music, just the fact that they're younger and they're doing it and they have a friend group, those shows are usually really well attended and everyone's having a really good time and I don't know. There's nothing worse than seeing dudes in their 40s bitch about a low turnout at their show. It's like, dude, you're all in your 40s. You wouldn't be at that bar if you weren't playing the show because you would rather be home chilling out exactly exactly you know and that's and so whenever i do play out and there's a low turnout i respect it man people (laughs) got stuff they (laughs) want to do
0: they have kids man
3: yeah exactly yeah kids they got chores responsibilities you know the other thing too it's yeah, you know i i explained it another time it's you know whenever you're 18 years old or so it's like man i can't wait to go out and do something but now it's like whenever you're going out you're leaving your house where all the stuff you like at. right
0: it's like <laughs> yeah. especially if it's like not fucking fulfilling or some shit and you're just there and you're like faint at uh, fucking arms crossed and you're like i could be watching fucking takes Manhattan right now. You know right, <laughs> or even exactly. the worst, I could be watching ghost to Hell right now. He could be the worst fucking one ever. You
3: know, Phantasm
0: yeah. three. He could be the worst fucking one ever, and you'd rather be doing that.
3: <laughs> See, you know it's funny when people talk about like stage fright. For me, if the place was full I, that made me less nervous than like a, a lower attendance show because when it's lower attendance, man, you can find every person in the audience with their arms crossed or who just doesn't give a shit about what you're doing out there. Yeah. If the place is full and if at least 20 are into you, it looks like it's an amazing show. You know,
0: <laughs> and, and, and this is just me here. That's why yeah. I like playing stupidly small places. Yes, because when twenty people show up, it is fucking packed. <laughs> right. Yeah, it might cap your door at fucking a hundred bucks, but fuck. <laughs>
3: yes, <laughs> those absolutely. fucking twenty people
0: are there for you at that point.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always like the smaller stage for that yeah. reason.
0: <laughs> and I mean, you know, we've that's the that's the cool thing that you know that that is out with, like, technology and shit today is, like, being able to concise your fucking stage show to, like, a fucking, like, a camper and a Sansamp, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and, and a drum set, <laughs> and that's it, you know? And, yeah. you know, you could do your fucking, go through your fucking PA and shit, you know? It's totally fucking rad.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely.
0: So, yeah, anybody out there to do it, you know, who wants to carry a fucking, uh, a fucking jcm 800 and a fucking 1960 a cab you know who wants to carry the fucking Ampeg refrigerator and a fucking svt you know fuck man i i'm old and fat now (laughs) (laughs) i've always been fat just now i'm old
2: (laughs) yeah
3: but seriously joints don't like to do the haul out that's for sure hell no
0: (laughs) especially yeah. if you play a fucking show and you know and i think we've all played those shows where it just went so fucking in into the fucking paint that like yeah. you just you feel dead afterwards and you're just like yeah. shit man whoa yeah. i mean i personally strive for that every time <laughs> it's like a yeah. it's like a fucking it's a deal you know <laughs> but yeah. fuck yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully before you know next November <laughs> or two, yeah. two novembers uh, from now that we'll get another either release or album because I'm totally digging the, the fucking you know decomposing spells, it's fucking dude, I love it.
3: Sweet, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been really happy with the way this turned out. And I mean, you know, the thing too about it is whenever it is so long in between releases, you know, like I can hear the progression in what I'm able to do, especially now playing live drums. Like I'm happy with decomposing spells, but I feel like what's around the corner is even going to be, you know, cooler but i mean who knows it's as soon as it's out of your hands it's open to interpretation for everybody else that being said i'm very happy with the way decomposing spells came out
0: (laughs) Fuck yeah and you know the progression you know i i'm i'm kind of torn on that as well because for my you know in my personal growth as a musician you know the first real like cd you know that we had pressed and shit we done mm-hmm. in 2004 we went through like disc makers and did the fucking thing got, you know mixed and mastered fucking t- state of the art at the time type shit yeah. um and that band fizzled out and then i didn't put anything out until uh like 2000 and like 9 yeah and and it was just like a really short run fucking demo CD. It had like three songs on it. They were all I actually screen printed the disc myself. All right. I bought like a fucking screen print from fucking Hobby Lobby. And there it was just go. like and actually printed the disc myself. You know, bought the uh the the silver face copies and fucking oh, cool. and it was just in a in a folded up paper sleeve. With yeah. um, with uh that was photocopied and the uh the covers were colored in marker. Oh wow,
3: that's and, really cool.
0: Yeah, and and so each one was done by different people, so they were all different. So there's yeah, but anyway, fucking, just like just like the releases, man. Like I. I I can tell with the progression from the stuff that I have done, like, when I was doing an album a year for, like, five years in a row, mm-hmm. yeah, You I could see the progression from year to year, and, you know, how the band has changed there and there, because, you know, we change guitar players, okay, you know, like, once a year, uh, people have burnout, you know, playing a lot of shows and shit, and... <sighs> Yeah. And as I've gotten older, we've, we've went, like I said, how earlier it was like, well, then it became August. And then, you know, with the release schedule, is, you know, it became once a year. Then it was like a two year wait. And now it's been a a three year wait. And now it's a four year wait. And yeah, because the last thing we put out was in
3: 2019. Wow. So. Well, and the thing that you run into also, it's, um, you know, like I said, it's just me and Billy now, and we started out as a three piece. And even then, it's like, you know, the more people you have attached to a project, and it's a, uh, I don't know, like I never felt right keeping a band name if, you know, as certain people drop off, or whatever, you know, with Vault Wraith, because I, do all the music i was okay with us you know continuing on after our uh, other singer lyric writer had uh quit the band and everything but you know it's a that's a big thing it's like most bands they only get to put out maybe one or two albums because of reasons like that you know there's too many people involved who have like equal parts in the band. And so therefore, unless there's like one dick who's like willing to keep the name for themselves, that band ceases to exist after that initial lineup falls apart. I am that dick. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Someone has to be that dick. (laughs) I am that dick.
0: And honestly, here's the reasoning why Uh, this is interesting. This has been like a really introspective episode for me too. Um, Like, uh the, the reason why i kept the name overload uh yeah. and it's been 16 years at this point and it was the deal where i was 28 years old and i read the uh the reissue liner notes um for another perfect day from motorhead And Lemmy talks about Fast Eddie Clark leaving the band after, you know, six years in in the band. And he was, and Lemmy was 38 when, when Fast Eddie left. And he thought to himself that he was too old to start over. So he, he had thought, he's like, well, I'm going to replace him. I have to, because, you know, we've got six albums worth or seven albums worth of music. You know that people are into that people actually come out to see and they dig, so he replaced him with you know uh, fucking Brian Robertson from Thin Lizzy, and that's exactly what they did with him. They replaced him when he left, and so on and so forth. So that's the thing with with me, for example, is. You know, I was 28 when I read that, and it kind of like told me it's like, you know what? I'm too old to fucking start over again. You know, I'm going to dedicate my time and and to this because this will be my legacy.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, that's just kind of what it is. It's, um, I think, you know. It's a a lot of it, you know, people is like, oh, why isn't anything happening? And it's like, well, it's because you put out like one album, man. It's like it used to be that people, you know, took three or four albums before they really got any kind of traction, yeah. especially if you're not touring or anything like that. I mean, it's like you got to have something out there for people to even know you exist.
0: Well, <laughs> and yeah. So and
3: I think being prolific and consistent helps. <laughs> oh, for sure. It does.
0: You know, and. Yeah. That's like, uh, and I know they're not metal, but I, you know, I dig all kinds of shit. Uh, Blues Traveler, the the yeah. album that they cracked big on was Four, and it was their fourth album. Right. So, like, yeah, I totally get that, and yeah, there there are bands out there that, you know, they none of us ever hear of until all of a sudden, like that's one of the things I love about the music scene now is there are bands that are, that are playing again that, you know, were, you know, that hadn't really done anything since the, the mid eighties or the, the early nineties because they broke up and either went and did other small time gigs or got day jobs.
3: Yeah. Have you seen that siren documentary that just came out? No, I haven't. No, it's pretty cool. Um, They were this band from uh, Florida, like around the Tampa area. They kind of came up with Nasty Savage and other bands at the time. But yeah, it was they kind of broke up in the the eighties, and people started sharing their demos around on YouTube and stuff like that. And they actually got back together and did a small show out in Europe and everything. And so it's pretty, yeah. And they're actually working on a new album, but that's just the thing, you know. It was. 80s kind of came went nothing happened with them they all went their separate ways got day jobs or anything else and then all of a sudden there's this you know interest in them and comes back around for them <laughs> for sure
0: yeah and you know I think that's an interesting thing too because Forbidden just announced that they were getting back together Oh, wow. for one show only and uh it's like one of the Bay Area shows so well uh, but the the thing about this is is like I think you can thank Anvil for yeah. for this for that like momentum push to rediscover these bands that nobody's really you know they they it's not that they never it's not that they even even ever quit like Raven for example you know they mm-hmm. they've been consistent since 1974
1: yeah. And
0: you know, it's it's just like but you get to rediscover them now and find out, holy fuck, they're still playing. I'm gonna go yeah. see them. And it's probably gonna you know, be it's a show that's going to rival the 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 bands that you know, like Maiden and Fucking Priest and Metallica and shit. Because it means more. It's more intimate.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a comedian Jonah Ray made a comment one time. It's like when people say, oh, they're still doing stuff. It's like, yeah, they didn't stop, you know, making records because you stopped listening
2: to them. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. And, you know, a shout out to Randy Newman, by the way. And ran yeah. everybody, you know, for what Randy Newman is, you know, like with all the fucking Pixar songs mm-hmm. and fucking songs and movies that he's done. He actually wrote a song that is is perfect for this. It's, um, it's a song called I'm Dead, But I Don't Know It. <laughs> and it's about being a musician who retires and who announces their retirement in like 1984 and never fucking retires.
2: Right.
3: You know,
0: they just keep playing and playing and playing. Like the Eagles did or Kiss did or whatever, you know. And
3: go ahead. Well, that's just it, too. It's like, you know, I understand the whole, like, you know, when a musician says, oh, I'm going to retire, I have no doubt that, like, yeah, they'd like to get off the road and stuff like that, but, I mean, that compulsion to write and record and, you know, make music, I don't think that goes away. And so, yeah, even though they might not be doing it professionally, I doubt they're done by any means.
0: (laughs) It went away for me for about nine months. Is the yeah. is the longest time I've ever not been playing in anything, uh, and I about went fucking insane. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like you're sitting there, you're just like you're <laughs> yeah. tapping your fingers and you're no. It's like you got the fucking uh, the caffeine jitters, you know. <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm a very fidgety person. It's hard for me to hold still whenever I'm not at work or something. So, you're yeah, probably having a guitar shaking in my right hand now, is just, aren't you?
0: Huh? You're probably yeah. shaking right now, aren't you? You're like I shaking mean my your foot leg twitchers. or your hand. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, I get it.
0: I'm there too. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and switch over. This has been an awesome interview so far. Uh, So this is the new segment called Derailed here on the Metal Forge. Five questions, no holds barred. What happens when the train goes off the tracks, man? Okay. If you could eliminate one disease forever from the planet, what would
3: it be? Uh, Cancer. (sighs) Boom. Yes, because
0: it's fucking terrible
3: right yeah when there's so many different forms of it and there's not a single person on the planet that hasn't been touched by it in some way or another
0: yeah even even personal scares yep. because we're Absolutely. just you know we're all just fucking people man like i've had that personal scare twice in my life and it's fucked up
3: yeah yeah but i mean then again too if you know <laughs> This is morbid, but if we didn't have anything like it, too, I'm sure the population would explode. (laughs) Well, I mean, it kind (laughs) of has
0: in the last fucking hundred years.
3: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, it's just awful. And I mean, it's a, I don't know. Yeah.
0: Hell yeah. Uh, What is the biggest lie you once believed to be true? Excluding Santa Claus.
3: Yeah, hell, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, you know, it's a, uh, it, yeah, that, that's a tough one. Biggest lie I thought wants to be true. Um, damn, dude, that's harsh. I, I don't know. It's a, uh, you know, it's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I would like to say the belief in um, an omnipresent. You know, God or whatever, but try not trying to get too philosophical. I can't exactly disprove it. <laughs> you wanna just, know
0: the biggest lie that I ever perceived to be true? Yeah. I'm gonna be a rock star. <laughs> There's that one, yeah. <laughs> No, I'm being like I'm totally being a facetious dick there, but like you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, we all have delusions of grandeur at that, but like Yeah, I mean, other than Santa Claus or like if you believe in a deity or not, I mean, that's pretty I mean I don't know, yeah. maybe the Tooth Fairy or something. Did you always know that your parents left the left the uh fifty cents or whatever it was under the under the pillow?
3: yeah i don't know man i was pretty young when i found out about santa claus and i've been pretty jaded ever since oh, <laughs> i'm sorry dude <laughs> no that's all good um uh, but yeah i don't know man uh I, I feel like i'm pretty well grounded as far as like you know being able to like kind of detect bullshit
0: <laughs> well that's awesome though i mean <laughs> hey that's that's a great quality to have. I mean, yeah, it's I great know. if that especially if you're in the music scene. Now that I
3: Think about it. What's that? <laughs> I said I don't know. It sounds kind of egotistical as <laughs> fuck now that I think about it. But um, I, I don't know. Like I think I used to like really buy into ghost stories a lot more. You know, whenever I was younger. But again, I can't exactly disprove it. It's just a. I'm pretty sure it's bullshit, but it sucks, too, because especially if you're into, like, horror and metal and stuff like that, having that, like, you know, belief in ghosts and stuff like that, man, that totally enhances it.
2: Yeah, it totally (laughs) does. Yeah,
3: so it kind of sucks. What am I supposed to do? Just like listen to tech metal now? No, (laughs)
0: no, not tech. If you, uh, uh, real shout out here, really fast. If you are in a tech band, tech death, or anything like that, hit me up. I have never had a tech death band on the show. I want to. Uh, This is the fucking metal forge. It's about all fucking metal, not just fucking whatever metal. It's every fucking thing.
3: Uh, well, and hats off to those bands too that shit's difficult to play,
2: well yeah, I
0: mean, <laughs> yeah. because it yeah, it just the, the sheer requirement of it, especially if it's if it's like also like riff oriented and not just like you know one stagnant stagnant note right, yeah, that fuck yeah, I agree with you, hats off because I don't think I could do it, yeah, I'm too sloppy.
3: There's some, I mean, there's some people that like really tend to um, be able to blend the tech elements and still make it atmospheric and interesting too, you know. So that's always cool. Definitely. Yeah.
0: yeah. Definitely. Uh, what kind of driver are you?
3: I'm a pretty boring driver. I, I get a lot of people tailgating me and stuff because you know I, I go the speed limit, do all that, and everything. It's just yeah. I don't know. I don't need to get anywhere too quickly because, you know, I, I like living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. you
0: sound pretty laid back on, on the on the call here, man.
3: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I'm a pretty easygoing driver. I mean, I listen to loud music and all that, but yeah, no, it's... I'm a pretty boring driver. I didn't even get my license until I turned 18, and that's because my mom pretty much forced me because she got tired of dragging me around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, yeah. so when you're driving, are you listening to, you know, do you, do does the music you listen to affect your driving, though, is what I guess what I'm asking with that?
3: Yeah, not really. I mean, obviously, if I'm in a good mood, you know, I mean, it's cool to have the windows down, listen to some cool music, stuff like that. There's definitely, like, music I go to for road trips. Black Sabbath's first album is, like, one of my ultimate road trip albums. Start to back, listen to that entire thing. But, no, I still pretty much drive the same regardless of what I'm listening to.
0: Right on. Because, you know, sometimes when you've got fucking – you know you're playing like ride the lightning or something and you yeah. just get that fucking feeling uh in fucking in when ride comes on after fight fire with fire and you just fucking punch the gas pedal just a little bit more man like ah. yeah. you got to keep up well, with the fucking tempo right
3: yeah well that's just the thing too you know ride the lightning i mean Good God, that intro going into Fire, Fire with Fire. I mean, that was just magical. I bought that album. That was like one, that was probably the first Metallica album I bought. Not because I was of age to know anything about Metallica when it came out, but my stepsister let me listen to um, Injustice for All, and that was the first time I'd ever heard them. So I wanted to save up my money and get a Metallica album. The only one they had at the local Kmart was Ride the Lightning. So I got that, and that first time I heard Fire. Fire, fire fire i mean that acoustic intro which is also genius going into that just freaking devastating riff uh, just, yeah yeah Good goosebumps thinking about it now yeah. and it, and
0: honestly that intro like with the guitaring at the, on the heavy part to me, me it, it, it kind of rivals death metal yeah as opposed um, to thrash I mean, and and then it turns thrash quick, but that that first, you know, that fucking like chug,
3: yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing too. It's you know, I mean, I, I I'm going to show my age here, but, but a lot of people don't give Metallica their dues because people like to shit on... The biggest one I see right now is people shitting on Lars' drumming, which annoys the shit out of me because that's like going back and shitting on Chuck Berry for not sounding like Jimi Hendrix. You know, it's like, this didn't exist before this band. <laughs> you know? Right. So, it's like, this lays down the groundwork. People took it. They ran with it. They took what they did and expanded on it. That's the natural progression of anything. And it's not to say that if it wasn't them, it would have been somebody else, but it was them. <laughs> So you right. know Yeah. And
0: and that's one of the things what what we were talking about earlier when I say bands get an, an unjust amount of flack. I think it's trendy right. to hate on Metallica.
3: Yeah. Well and that's just it too. I mean it's like, you know, any band, I feel like, has about four or five albums that their fans really latch on to. And Metallica, I mean, they had a run, okay? <laughs> so like, Kill 'em All through Injustice for All, I think, are widely considered the ones, right? how the hell did you top that if I wrote Master of Puppets I think the only thing I could do is probably like step out in front of a train after that because there's no <laughs> stopping that I mean it's like okay that's it we're done Now, that, you know so I mean the fact that they're still making anything and it's just like you said you can't please everybody and it's like you know yes if they crank out the same thing well people say oh they're ACDC they're just doing the same album over and over again okay right but if they try to, to like do anything too experimental you'll shit on them for either like I don't know trend hopping or doing something really weird or whatever so it's no one situation there, just, you know, keep making albums and keep making money till you're dead. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: <So. laughs>
0: you know, the, the fucked up thing about that is, is, I was just talking about this with um, Jason Gardner from the Heavy Metal Wasteland uh, on our, on his uh, segment of it. We were just bullshitting on the phone one night on, on Zoom, and that was one of the things that I had said. It's like, you know, Metallica, when you look at their career, and i and i know it's not like it's not directly tied to the bass player but if you yeah. look at their career at every bass player injunction in the band which there's been four of them they have mm. all drastically been different right when you yeah. get the cliff albums and then you got the jason albums And then you've got the one Bob Rock album, and then you've got the (laughs) Rob Trujillo stuff. They're all drastically different eras for that band. Yeah. I mean, because you're talking Kill, Ride, and uh, Master, then Justice Black, Load, Reload, and then you've got Saint Anger, and then Death Magnetic, Hardwired, and 72 Seasons. Yeah. And it's like, fuck! Like it's interesting because like Jason has the, the most,
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, which is arguably the, 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 the first time people really chastised them with black load and reload.
3: Yeah. And that's also, I mean, and I, <laughs> the, the backlash with like, you know, the blackout monk. I was like, I got into Metallica. Like, right about the time Black Album was getting ready to come out. Like, they were in the process of recording it, but hadn't quite been released whenever I found out about them. Right. But, I mean, you instantly know it. The big one I can come back to is, like, whenever the Misfits reunited in 95, right? So I'd been listening to the Misfits, and I was wearing their T-shirts, and then when they put out this album with Michael Graves, well, then all these other kids, like, got into it. And I remember this kid coming up to me in the hallway and say, like, hey, I heard the Misfits. I'm like, no, you didn't.
2: <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> it's like, that <laughs> is not the Misfits. And so whatever, like, you know, I'm sure for a lot of Metallica fans who've been into them from the get-go, whenever the Black album came out, and people go, hey, I heard Metallica. I'm sure it was similar. <laughs> no, you didn't. And, you but, know, yeah.
0: that's so funny because <laughs> – The only instance I can even because I'm a huge Motorhead fan, the only instance that I can completely be like, That's not Motorhead, is Another Perfect Day, but even still, it is. But like, but everything else, whether it's fucking the first album or all the way to Bad Magic, it's all fucking Motorhead, yeah. And you know th- that's interesting that you know like the whole Michael Graves v- uh, Misfits thing is like no it's not the Misfits it's different because yeah. And, 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 and
1: yeah
3: told her right. <laughs> yeah and it was just so I mean I, I think th- but I don't know I'm not as quite as precious about stuff like that nowadays you know it's it's a little more acute whenever you're like 15 and trying to identify with something and people you don't like start latching on to. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just Which like is the, just like the we Kardashians
0: wearing the Metallica shirts.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. If I go through my, like, drawer now, it's I got these old, like, beat-up tour T-shirts that I could sell for more than, like, triple what I paid for them back in the day because oh, yeah. they're worn. Because they're,
0: yeah, because they're a worn shirt, and they're, they're trendy to have now. among everybody which is you know I always thought about taking my old tour shirts the ones that don't fit anymore and shit and like doing the quilt thing with it but just never have Uh, if you could be reincarnated as an animal what animal would you choose
3: um uh, probably a snapping turtle. Uh, I think they're really cool. They live a long time and they kind of kick it around the area where I like to in the Midwest. So, yeah, snapping turtle.
0: Fuck yeah. And you know, <laughs> dude, there's one there's a where I live about like about 40 minutes east, uh west of here, there is a a rumor of a turtle out in out in one of the lakes that is a prehistoric Wow, that he, the snapping turtle is that big that that nobody's seen it, but they've all, they've always seen the shadow of it. <laughs> yeah, and he's supposedly like they they think that he's around like eight or nine feet around, like across his shell.
3: Well, obviously, a director needs to get a hold of that story, and make it into a full length feature. <laughs> no
2: shit, <laughs> snapper from hell. I don't you,
3: you know.
0: And just to snap! <laughs> oh, dude, see now somebody's gonna fucking trade. You wait, and in and, and fucking like a year. That's gonna be a fucking movie. It's gonna be like Whoa. the next Sharknado, Snap Two.
3: Uh-uh. And full blessing from me. Just hit me up to do the soundtrack. Fuck yes,
0: and yes, and give a special fucking thing.
3: Yes, absolutely.
0: Fuck yeah. We're, we'll become consultants. This is the. There we are. The the yeah. warlock and the metal forge uh, present snap. <laughs>
3: Exactly. You'll have to be there to give them artistic direction, you know, yes, how to lay for out sure. the lake and everything else. And,
0: <laughs> and I just thought of the third sequel to Snap is where where the turtle gets out and attacks a fucking prep school and it's aw
3: Snap. Snap three. <laughs> aw snap. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like, gets in the the like decorative pond in front of the university. <laughs> like.
0: Yes. Yes, dude. See, fucking absolutely. Uh, I have one more question out of Mm -hmm. the derailed segment here, and this will be our last question of the day. Okay. Is, what is something people should know about you?
3: um jeez i don't know man (laughs) um i mean aside from vault wraith i still uh, do a lot of music on my own too um if you ever want to check it out uh, my name is willie wardlaw and i use that name to record by which isn't very sexy (laughs) but um i uh yeah i've got a solo album on spotify but it's quite a bit different it's uh it's uh, all ambient music so something i guess people should know about me
0: fuck yeah man dude that's awesome i mean that you can go out and do other things it's not it doesn't have to be all heavy all the time i mean metal every day yes that's the the new hashtag hashtag metal every day but it doesn't always have to be all heavy all the time dude fucking hank williams is fucking heavy
3: yeah, I mean, heaviness, it definitely comes in different vibes. For me, like I described it to another person one time, what I like is just music that sounds good when the lights are out. So that could be ambient. That could be just about anything, you know, a lot of classical music or anything. I'm attracted oh, yeah. to, like, sad and dark music.
0: <laughs> it, it's kind of like a, a Mozart piece and a Bach yeah. piece. It's a mock piece.
2: Ah. <laughs> no, you're absolutely <laughs> yeah.
0: right, you know. I told that's one of my favorite things to do, especially in the winter months, is I yeah. like to come home and I set the 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 smart bulb to like a red but like at 40% where it's just like a dim room. It looks like a dark room almost. And fucking just do, just put something on or just throw on a candle or something and throw on like Aqualung and just fucking jam the fuck out to it, you know? And, and, and not even, not even inebriated, just taking in the listen of, you know, especially on like old albums on vinyl. The, not the resurgence, like the one eighty gram stuff, but even still, the, the the field is there. But the original yeah. hisses and shit is where I'm at.
3: Yeah, absolutely yeah that's and so i mean yeah just like you said the hank's heavy i mean there's a lot of heaviness out there and that's the other thing too it's you know being in our 40s i've been listening to heavy metal for a really long time you know and so you start to you start to crave other things to listen to and so yeah i mean it's a even though metal is obviously my go-to music when I'm recording a lot of times I'm just listening to music at home I'll go days where I'm not listening to anything that would be considered necessarily heavy metal I mean I'll still come back to all my favorite albums that influence doesn't go away once it's in you it's in you but uh you know so uh, and the other thing too is whenever you get past a certain age where you're uh, trying to like identify yourself with any one particular thing where basically what you listen to doesn't carve out who you are. And then you do open yourself up to a lot of stuff that you might've shut yourself off to beforehand. I went back and like, you know, listened to a lot of stuff I used to just kind of turn my nose up at when I was younger and, uh, really enjoy it now.
0: <laughs> For sure. And, you know, I've always been the, the guy to sit there and to think that certain things don't make sense to you until a certain time in your life
3: yeah you know that's um i know whenever i was getting into some metal bands here in town in the early 2000s the guys i was playing with you know they were all like about 10 12 years older than me and a lot of them were really into candle mass and i didn't get it at the time wasn't really into it christ man i love candle oh mass. yeah <laughs> you know uh dumas
0: dumicus epicus Metalis, oh my fucking god it's it's a masterpiece
3: yeah, like and that like basically uh, that classic run of albums for me and the newer stuff is cool too. But yeah, like I can listen to like Nightfall and Tales of Creation. Man, I, that stuff always you know it gets me right every time. Yeah, <laughs> but dude, but, I but, have, yeah, like I, I wasn't that was a slow one for me to get into in my early twenties. I same. just wasn't the person who could listen to it then.
0: <laughs> and, and for me, it was about thirty five. Like you know when I I used to hate Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, and and I turned 24, and then like all of a sudden something was in me was just like something flipped, and I was just like, "Wow, I totally get what he's see- saying now, and, and I I totally get it, and I understand, you know." And then that's like the same thing, you know, with like Candlemas and fucking Coroner and those bands and stuff. When you just really take a deep dive into it. And, you know, you find that one thing, and it's like, yeah, I really wasn't a big fan of this, but now you're just, like, fanatical about it. Maiden was that way for me.
2: Yeah. Because I
0: I used to not dig, like, you know... I was an Aussie guy, okay. I was an Aussie guy, so like Dio Sabbath to me was just like, uh, and I didn't, you know, didn't care for the, uh, you know, the fucking the high pitched scream uh, yelling or, you know what I'm saying, the high pitched voice vocals,
3: falsetto, yeah, right. Uh, Well, that just that trained vocal, you know, whereas Aussie was a little more like just kind of doing his own thing, yeah,
0: (laughs) for sure, and so. It took me going to see Maiden live, honestly, to, and I went by myself uh, in the middle of fucking June one year, and was just like, and they had Megadeth open for them,
3: and oh, that's a cool show,
0: yeah, and so I had to do it, I had to go see them, and after I saw them, I was just like, holy fuck. This band is fucking awesome, and I've now seen them like five or six times. So I've actually seen them more than like my favorite bands.
3: Yeah, I've only got to see Maiden once, but it was a cool show.
0: <laughs> the the one I, the first one I saw them on was in 2014, and it was uh, Maiden England
3: oh that's really cool oh uh, right. that's right. they were just like was that uh i guess the seventh son of a seventh son album i yep. guess at that time yeah they or started they,
0: with they, fucking Moonchild and fucking uh-huh. oh my gosh when it gets into the and it's just like holy shit this is so fucking cool and it's like the fucking crowd chants on the ah, ah,
3: <laughs> it was uh, i know for me i got to see them in 2000 whenever they were actually touring with brave new world and um at the time like i mean i i got into maiden pretty hard whenever i was about 12 or 13 and the only albums i owned back then i had killers and i had somewhere in time and those are probably still my favorite albums of theirs but like you know I went for years where uh, I really didn't expand on it. I think I got a couple albums here and there. I had like no prayer for the dying and stuff. And I turned about 18 or so and got my first actual job and had regular income coming in. I was buying ass loads of albums. So I got all the classic maiden albums. Oh yeah. And, and so then around the time I turned twenty, that's when I hear Bruce has come back to Iron Maiden and you know, they're putting out a new albums. So I like ran out and bought Brave New World when it came out and then uh, some friends of mine, were oh, we're going to see Iron Maiden in Saint Louis. I'm like, are there still tickets available? And they're like, Yeah. And so me and a friend of mine, we got like lawn seats out at a uh, Riverport Amphitheater up here in Saint Louis and Dude went out to that's go where see I saw him.
0: them at. What was that? I've seen them there
3: you did very cool yeah yeah Yeah. uh
0: i've seen i've seen them there twice actually in on the maiden england tour and uh the book of souls
3: nice oh yeah very cool yeah uh
0: if you're talking about where the casino is right
3: uh, yeah, yeah, right out there by the casino. Yeah, I think they're yeah, actually I've, been, shows
0: I've seen them there twice too. That's cool.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a cool place. I've seen a couple of shows there. I saw that last Slayer tour up there too. Nice, yeah. But, I uh, uh, uh,
0: the first one, of course, was uh, Maiden and Megadeth, and then uh, I saw Maiden and Ghost on the Book of Souls.
3: Oh, that's really cool. That was a good show yeah i've seen ghost twice actually um back when they were still like playing at the pageant yes. i saw them uh, i saw them when they were touring with that first covers ep and it was so screwed up because like i was really into Ghost and everything but i like, got it there and like i don't think people knew what to do with that band at the time and i kid you not they didn't pull up the chairs there was like tables and chairs out for this metal show and it's just like what the hell, man? It, where are people supposed to stand and get into this? But the second time I saw them was when they were returning with uh, Meliora, and uh they, they got it at that point. They pulled up the tables and let them actually have a floor. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, that's an interesting thing with, with the way venues are with that stuff. I just sometimes I just don't get it. But dude, yeah. Uh, Willie thank you so fucking much uh the warlock uh, from, <laughs> from vault wraith dude thank you so fucking much dude for coming into the metal forge this week this has been a, such a fucking awesome uh, awesome interview this week i've I've had such a good time dude
3: Me too, man. Thanks for having me on.
0: Hell yeah. So, as I got to say this on every episode, as always, links are listed below, so please give a like, a share, and a follow. Go rate and review the Metal Forge. Go purchase merch from Vault Wraith. Do the thing, you know, if they ever decide to do shows, you know, and I'm sure fucking you all would be perfect for something like a Hell's Heroes or, or some shit like that, too. You know, those big festival single show appearances. For the listeners out there that do that do that stuff, hit him up, seriously. Fuck yeah. Right,
2: <laughs> um, yeah.
0: seriously, everybody, go do the things, you know, uh buy the gear, do the do the stuff. Do you have any shout outs you want to give to anybody today?
3: Uh no, man. I mean obviously uh, I wanna shout out to Hell's Headbangers of Vicious Witch and Adirondack Black Mass for getting this album out on the various formats and getting it into people's ears and on their hands so uh you know and then just obviously anybody who's been listening to us from the get-go or just picked it up now and thanks for everything and thank you for having me on here and Giving me a chance to promote all my stuff.
0: Fuck yeah, man! It's that's what it's all about, you know. Uh, this show, uh, and as I've tried to say this to everybody, it's not just about metal music. It's metal culture. It's life. It's everything.
1: And then, yeah. like I said,
0: it's conversation-based interview podcast. And dude, fucking like, yeah, man. we're I'm just, I'm just here to promote you guys, myself, everybody. You know, that's why, you know, I keep doing it 220 plus episodes in, man.
3: Hell yeah. Well, that's just it. You know, I'm staying consistent. You know, it's a, you might pick up people. I might have a few drop off as long as you're still doing it. Somebody will listen.
0: Right. (laughs) Absolutely, dude. (laughs) Dude, Willie, thank you so fucking much. This has been super fucking rad. Metal every day, everybody. On our way out from decomposing spells. What do you want to play?
3: Let's uh, say a devil's dish served cold. Yeah, you hear him. This is
0: the devil's dish served cold. <laughs> 2013 there has been a calling from the underground from the graves of all those unholy and they decided to make a zine to talk about all of this soul grinder Zine, an independent metal zine to keep you informed on all things metal and horror from the underground available in both print and digital formats they're bringing you the best interviews and reviews out there today Not only do they do the zine, but they also do compilation CDs. Check them out at facebook.com slash soulgrinder.zine and start your subscription now. BigCartel.com. What's up, Metal Forge fans? This is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest and head distiller at Spirits of French Lick. Do you find yourself drawn to the unexplained, fascinated by the Fortean, or enchanted by the paranormal? If the things that go bump in the night resonate in your mind, then tune into my brand new podcast, If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Featuring first hand accounts, collected stories, interviews, history, and speculation related to all things not of this world. Available now on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Set back, relax, and remember if you have ghosts, you have everything. hey let me tell you guys about mercenary press they're an independent london label and distributor of all things metal mercenary press delivers the goods from their own independent zine trust me you're going to want to get in on that. To distributing various bands from all over the world, including Cramp from Spain and Sadistic Force from Texas. Visit mercenarypress.bigcartel.com to find out what all they have in stock and what you can order. And for Metal Forge listeners, enter code Metalforge10 to receive a discount on your total purchase at mercenarypress.bigcartel.com. Check it out now.